0: Welcome in, everybody, to Scout's Eye on Football. I am Chris Landry. Good to be with you today, this Wednesday, June 9th, as we've got, uh, we're working a lot on uh, getting ready for the football season. So um, we are going to talk a little bit about um, a a couple of things picking in the NFL in college. We're going to mix it around a little bit, talk a little bit about Uh, the wide receiver units, uh, this is born out of a question and we'll kind of maybe take through each of the positions. Um, The best receiver units that have graded thus far um, heading into this season, now that the rosters are set in the NFL, who are some of the breakout players in college football? You know a lot of players' names, uh, undoubtedly, uh, but there are probably some names you don't know as much about. Who are maybe some of those guys that because they haven't done it yet, but they have some of the traits that you look for that can be really um, uh, take their game to a level where you they become a household. Th- those are some people that I think that uh, maybe you want to know uh, a little bit about. But we've got some um, some questions we're going to get to and uh, adjust to as well, um, response to um the SEC show that I did yesterday and uh, a couple of things there. And also join us in the chat room. Uh, No no excuse to not have your question addressed here. Uh, We'll certainly certainly do our best to get you updated on everything. A couple of items to remind you about uh, LandryFootball.com. If you haven't joined yet, uh, what are you waiting for? It's a great opportunity. Uh, We are starting with the previews. You're going to get, uh, for example, on the college previews, you will get uh, a kind of an overview, uh, news and notes of what's taken place since the end of the season to now. You have trouble keeping track of who's coming, who's gone? Uh, Of course you are. Everybody is. We got you covered. We take you up to the time that we post. And of course, if you follow the notebook every day, the college notebooks every day, you get. As it happens, what's going on and and, um, who's leaving, who's coming, what have you. Uh, The latest recruiting news, class of 2022 and 2023, commitments and so on and so forth. Visits, uh, which are big this month. Got all of that for you. Then we give you kind of a projected depth chart. We give you a grade of how players graded out on last year's team. Um, So you know who's coming back that graded well, who's not coming back, it gives you that all-in-one, right? So, we've got that for you. We've got um, incoming recruiting class. Um, Give you a reminder how those players graded. A little bit of what you can expect from this class um, coming in and the potential impact. As well as an overview of the offense, the defense, special teams. And then the schedule. So we're looking at that. Um, We're trying to, this is the time of the year where I try to think about things. I call it quality control because that's what we call it in football. You know, it's quality control of what are you doing? How can you do it better? What have you? And so, you know, I'm always trying to, um, I've always said, What we try to do at LandryFootball.com is to bring you inside the film room to give you a coaching and scouting perspective. We know that in today's work, um, I don't even know how popular radio is anymore. I I don't really know. I don't know. uh, Having done radio for years and years, that was the only thing you had. Um, When I was the top football analyst for Fox Sports Radio, um, I mean, we were, it was us, it was ESPN. It didn't, you didn't have a whole lot. It, 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 now you got podcasts. Now you got a million things you can listen to. You can listen to your favorite fan group, you know, do a show and what have you. What makes us different? What makes us unique? I'm not better. You know, better is in the eye of the beholder. What we're going to try to provide for you on this show and what we try to provide for you at landry football in greater detail because we can is a coaching and scouting perspective on the game of football college football the nfl players teams coaches schemes giving you that look and so as we do that um we kind of give you a perspective that you're not going to get elsewhere um we want to make sure that we satisfy your needs to understand as a fan. Look, if you're a fan and you just want to hear all the great things about your team, you know, you're not going to really enjoy that. You're not going to enjoy the objectivity. You're not going to enjoy seeing things that you don't want to see. Uh, and, and that's fine. I'm just telling you this is what you get. You, you Like it or not, this is what you get. You get the straight shooting as I see it. And then what you get is a different viewpoint. How do you want to consume the sport? How do you want to consume the game? Um, yeah, I would think you want to want to learn more about it so that it helps you become better at be a better fan, um, whether talking over with friends, whether it's fantasy football, whether it's the gambling edge, we're trying to provide that for you. to the point where we're trying to do different things. Those of you that caught our show that I do with Scott Seidenberg, we're going to transition a little bit <clears throat> since Scott is such a, <clears throat> pardon me, a um, a guru on handicapping and numbers. Um, we're going to focus a lot of that show on that with my part being giving you the football angle, not telling you, hey, you come here and we're going to get you, you know, 10 games and you're going to go 10 and up against the spread, tricky. We're going to explain things to get you to think and do a better job of seeing the game from that perspective, for those that want that. But you're going to get a lot of good football information, even if you have no interest in the gambling part, of it, because everyone kind of wants to know what's going to happen. What do you think? How it's going to be? and There's a lot of things that goes on, and with the boom of the gaming aspect, we we'll certainly want to address it. So this is a time of year where we're looking to try to improve on certain things uh, with this with this show, all the shows that we're doing, and giving you a perspective. Um, so the breakdowns uh, are, are coming. They're going to come faster and faster as the film work and they get the guys, put them out um, for you. You're going to be able to catch that, uh, the pro and college game. Different aspects of the, the pro game and the college game um, of teams and players, how to uh, look at the personnel, look at the coaching, the grading and ranking of coaches, all those things are really um, are going to be at the heart of what we're going to do. I um, want to address a couple of things, a couple of questions. Um, Arch Manning, we talked a little bit about that, and I will address that here. Arch Manning um, took his visit to Clemson this past week as kids are doing. Had a great weekend of visit. Um, We've discussed it on the SEC show. Um, That, you know, Clemson, I think if there's a front runner, it would be it. The success that they've had um, with quarterbacks, the success that the program brings, the The fun nature of the program. I think all those things are factors. Um, you know, I. It, but it's early, and there's a lot to be said. Here's what I think. I think that you, you, um, for the fans that are uh, just talking about where you would would uh, eliminate. I don't think he's going to Ole Miss um while there will be a lot of talk about interest in LSU there's there's no chance that he goes there um he's not going to end up at Alabama um i think the only school that'll get serious consideration and could get in it in the SEC would be Georgia um but i don't think that's going to go very far i do think do to some of the relationship with Mac Brown, that there'll be a little North Carolina talk, but that's not going to go very far either. Um, the Virginia connection, we've talked about it, with his sister and with his mother being Virginia grads, there's um, there's some interest there. Enough interest to be a consideration, but not enough, in my view, for him to end up going there. Uh he doesn't have to commit now. Won't commit now. It'll take, you know, another six months, few months. I do think Clemson's a strong favorite. I do think if there's a team that could make a run, that could change things, that is in the mix, um, and maybe stronger than people think, it's Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. I do think that's real. Uh, we'll see. Will there be? One of the aforementioned teams um, that I don't think going to be a factor emerge as a bigger factor could. Things can happen. The other thing that we've talked about before that I think needs to be reiterated, it's so early that things will change during the course of the year. Coaches, certain things on the staff that may make a school become less or more appealing than it is at this point. There's a certain level of consistency, stability at Clemson to make him a strong favorite at this point. I think that's fair. Since he's not ready to commit and since he wants to take more visits, I don't think it really matters a whole lot at this point. Um, So that's my thoughts uh, on on where things are going. Um, There. There's a question uh, uh, about that. Um, With regard to comments about... I went through the whole playoff concept and idea that was asked in a question. There was a follow-up question, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But the whole playoff conversation is going to heat up even more in July about the future of the college football playoffs. And there is a strong belief in 12 teams. But a lot of that's been leaked out to see the reaction, to see not just public reaction, but the internal presidents, decision makers, and see where this goes. What are the... There's um, there's frailties. there's There's issues with every decision that you make. Uh, But again, I'm going to go back to what I mentioned. It all comes down to money. It all is not about, quote unquote, making the college game better or worse. You can debate whether it makes it better or it makes it worse. Well, it's better because it's more inclusive. More teams can play. More teams are involved in it. Well, it's worse because now it's cluttered with teams that really can't win it. And, you know, everybody gets in that wins a conference and some of them are not deserving. All fair points. Well, it's better because you got, you know, a lot of teams that have hope now that didn't have before. No, it's worse because now instead of college games feeling like a playoff most weeks, they're not going to feel that way anymore or as much. All those things are valid point counterpoints. The reality is none of that matters in the eyes of the decision makers. It has always been a bid, always been about, and will continue to be about the money and the money that comes along with the conference playoff games being worth more. Now, the SEC game is worth a ton. Uh, If there's a prohibitive favorite like we've had, in the Big Ten with Ohio State, Clemson, the ACC. Those games may not be as exciting because there is almost a foregone conclusion feel to who's going to win it. However, there's always that chance of an upset, and the winner could earn their way in. So if it's a team other than Clemson and Ohio State that can beat them, you could have a second team in, perhaps. That creates a little bit more interest than... Hey, look, let's see what happens. You know, let's see if the game's good or not. There's a little bit more of an intrigue there. But it also takes conference championship games that have not been as exciting. And and I will go to the Pac-12, because the Pac-12 has not had that elite team. Even the Big 12 has had, you know, can anybody upset Oklahoma type feel to it. But the Pac-12 now becomes more relevant, more eyeballs, more money, because the winner will get in. Once they What they do once they get in is not at the forefront of the discussion. What is... Um, so, you know, I just think that... that um, you know, I think that's really the whole key. And we need to keep things going there. Um the um, non-Power 5, Group of 5 best team, well, you're going to have a situation where those games, who's the best Group of 5 team each year? Is it a foregone conclusion? Can somebody lose their grip? Can somebody reach it? You're going to have that a little bit of a feel. That's going to bring another dynamic that perhaps is going to create an even bigger you know, view of those games. Um, th- those are going to all be a part of it. And, and those are all part about creating more revenue options at the end of the year. Because you look at what's happened with the bowl games. The bowl games have become embarrassing on how irrelevant they are. If you're not in the playoffs, the other bowl games don't mean anything. It is understood, accepted, as no big deal. If the bowl games are that irrelevant, I mean, what they want to do is make more of them have relevance. The others may still exist as just programming on by ESPN. And be that as it may, we'll see how that plays out and who's in it. But now what you will create is more games that have relevance, that will bring eyeballs, that will make money. It's all about that. Now, the other thing is, have you thought about how this might tie into the future? You know, um, with name, image, and likeness, and you know my thoughts on that, and pros and cons, with name, image, and likeness, are you gonna create a situation where see I, I believe that this whole thought about well players are gonna go and create their own market eh, schools and independent people are going to almost create a business and, and a in and a and a whole genre of trying to help these guys develop their ability to improve their name, image, and likeness. Well, if schools are going to do that, be behind it, don't you think perhaps bowl games and people involved, sponsorship, you wonder about this. You wonder how to get players to play in bowl games. What about if you've got, I don't know, fill-in-the-blank business? Sponsors. Uh, Players that show up. For a meet-and-greet, an autograph session, what have you, get paid a certain amount of money? Is that an incentive for them to show up for the game and play in the game? Do you make rules that say you can't show up for that unless you play in the game? I, I think there are a lot of things that it opens up avenues of. I, I don't. People have, have developed an aversion to, well, this is purity of college sports. The, the minute you start to create a business environment, which this hadn't started, you know, yesterday. The minute you create a business environment, folks, you're going to have that part of it that's going to drive everything. It does. It drives everything. It always has. It always will, as I said before. Back when you had one game on television on a Saturday, this was probably before most of you were alive, that was the way it used to be. That was the rule. Why did they have that? Because they didn't want to hurt the gate. But then they realized the more games you put on TV, the more people got exposed to it, interested, want to be a part of it. And then they started to put more games on. Then, you know, we go into the, you know, couple of decades later, and you've got the advent of cable television and need for programming, and boom. ESPN, when they first started, didn't have college football live. They signed a deal with the NCAA to tape games. So the way it used to work is <clears throat> you'd have your two or three games, maybe a local, regional, Raycom Jefferson, Pilot type thing. And ESPN would go to the games, a bunch of games on Saturday, and do the games, basically live to tape. Meaning they did the games, and on Sunday night, ESPN would have a couple of games on, because there was no NFL games back then on Sunday nights. And they would have, hey, the Alabama-LSU game. They would have the, you know, whatever. Penn State-Notre Dame game and it'd be replayed throughout the week. And it was big, because you didn't get to see the game live. You didn't have many opportunities. Well, then, obviously, it grew, and things changed, and then we started to have, well, the Georgia-Oklahoma lawsuit that allowed the conferences to do their own television deals, and boom, that's where we are now, right? You know, you got the own Now we've got not only the ESPNs, we've got... The ACC network and the uh, SEC networks that are owned by ESPN that are they work together. So you've not only got ESPN, ESPN Two, ESPNU, you know whatever, and the, and the the streaming. You got ACC network and SEC network and alternate channels. So all those games are on. Everybody's on. It's money. It's money. A way to make money. And now the, the the feeling is how do you how do you make that money but still try to get certain people to reach certain people come to the games because they want that money. <laughs> they don't want to give up any of that, of course, but then they want to continue to make it. Anyway, it's all about money and it continues to be, and that's where it's going to be. And I don't know if it's going to be 12. I don't know how it's going to play out, but it is going to follow the money, and if you follow the money, you will. Get the the, the feel uh, where things are headed. A um, couple of things, a couple of questions. Appreciate Tony and Jeffrey joining us. You got a question, join us in the chat room. Jeffrey says, Can you give your thoughts on Branson Robinson running back? He plays from our old high school coach. Uh, Branson is a good back. I think he's got good vision. I think he runs under his pads with good balance pretty well. Um, and I'm excited to see about his future. Also Mississippi State flip Lucas Taylor from LSU. Yeah. His role there kind of slipped. Uh, pretty good get for them at Mississippi State. Um, uh, Jeff, hey, thanks for all you do. And oh, yeah, about the newsletter. Jeff, it's kind of on hold right now. Um, and I don't know where I'm going to go with it. Uh, and, and I'm thinking about it. but uh, And certainly we're going to try to um, come up with something. But without going into a lot of details here that would just be boring and not make a lot of sense with, with context. We're trying to do a lot of different things. We're trying to do some things with this show. We're trying to do some things with the TV side of this, the, the online streaming TV, the podcast. Um, I don't know. I don't know about the newsletter. We, we thought about doing, and I still think it's a viable possibility. Maybe, maybe we will look at it again on how to do it. The question is to try to figure out the price point, the fairness. Um, how much um, I, I, I think there are a lot of things that initially that I thought that I need to think about I, I, I haven't forgotten about it it's still a possibility We're still looking at it and we'll see I got to get a better feel for uh, again how many people would be interested I know Jeff you are and and, and how much be willing to be pay for certain things. Look, it's all about, we just talked about money, it's it's no different here. We're, we're looking for title sponsors, for shows, we're looking for business partnerships that's going to make this grow um, to where you can still get this for free, uh, still get other information. It's, it's a complex process and um, you know, I am um, someone with a football background and uh, you know, certainly my experience there is like greater than the business side. And while I have some experience from a big time business level in football, you know, this is a the the whole process of websites, podcasts, streaming. It, it's like it changes every day, I and mean, it's like. The the minute you figure something out, it's changed. And so, uh, anyway, that's a long-winded answer. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Probably need to get um, people to... And look, look, we did the draft show because one of our great chat room folks, fantasy football, suggested it, and we did it. And that was a little simple to do. Um... What I probably need to do, and, and there's certainly nothing wrong with I don't want to ask anything of any of you out there, but if there's something from a perspective of that you would like, and I think, Tony, you would like that inside information, you can't get it anywhere type concept. Uh, for the folks that listen, chat room, uh, send some feedback. If you're not comfortable doing it in the chat room and you want to want to send it in an email, go to contact Chris and 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 just what would you like? What would you what would you think's fair and pay for it? And then then whether it's worth doing and uh, we'll we'll figure something out. So um, uh, it's on hold until we can figure out a process. So um, let's see where it goes, Tony. Says, wondering your thoughts on Ryan Day as a coach. He has benefited early from Urban Meyer's recruiting. Tony, um, Ryan Day's done a better job recruiting than Urban Meyer, believe it or not. Um, Here's what I would say. You're looking at recruiting. The recruiting hasn't dropped off at all. Urban was an elite recruiter. Uh, in that in that very small area, Ryan Day is every bit as good and has proven it on the field. You know, Urban won a title. Um, Ryan hasn't. Is Ryan Day going to be considered and criticized like Kirby Smart is criticized because he hasn't won one? Uh, if he continues to win the Big Ten and get into the playoffs but can't finish. Um, he hasn't done that. You know, he hasn't taken that step. Well, you know, that's it, it's certainly something to, to look at. But, one thing I will say. Urban won a title. Remember the last couple of years, you had the Purdue game had the Iowa game the year before that were just what we call mystery game. we used to call for Clemson Clemsoning. That also happened at Ohio State. Since Ryan Day's been there, we haven't really had that. We haven't had that. We've I have in watching him, I have not seen that team be, you know, uh, out prepared, maybe situationally at times. Is really, really good. He hasn't won a title. And if he doesn't win a title, then it's going to be, you're not Urban Meyer. It's, hey, it's going to be that. And he's in a tougher spot than, say, Kirby because Georgia hadn't won since 1980. And it's like, ah, Georgia, it's a Georgia joke for the anti-Georgia folks and the rivals of them. But the consistency there is very impressive to football people. And for Ohio State, though, it's a little bit difficult because of what you mentioned. And a lot of people, I think, probably think along the lines of the way you do, Tony, is you know, you got Urban Meyer, and you're not Urban Meyer until you win a title or two or three. Then you become elite. That's fine. You've done a good job, with it, but you're not elite. So I get that. He hasn't been there that long. What he's done has been very good. And I don't think it's a case of, well, he's taken Urban's guys. He's lived off of that. No, no, no. He's recruited just as good or better. And I think he's developed and even done things at an even better level. Now, were there some real schematic issues on defense in the playoffs and the championship game? You bet. Let's see where they go from there. I think they're pretty good. Uh, Rich coach says, do you see Jim McElwain getting in the power five job at some point down the road? I don't, not at this point. No, I uh, young enough to where it's possible. He's doing a really good job. He's really good coach did a good job at Colorado state. There's a reason why he got the Florida job to begin with. Um, you, he, he wasn't a disaster at Florida, but he was at championship level. I don't know that people look at him in the same way, um, He wasn't a great recruiter, and he wasn't a great coach. So, when you get a Will Muschamp that gets another shot, say, from Florida to South Carolina, Jim's a different type of guy. Um, Now, let me say this. You say Power 5 job. Rich didn't say SEC job. He's got a lot of ties to the West Coast, Northwest, so I don't know if... You know, if I were to look and say, for example, um, well, if it's got to be a power five, you're looking at, say, a Pac-12-ish type job. Uh, Could I see that happening? Is it, um, could I see a, an opening there that might fit, I mean. You know, Oregon State solid Oregon. I mean, in terms of who they got. I mean, if if things didn't work out at Washington State um, for Nick McRellovich, then you know could I see a Washington State hiring him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's possible. Yeah, you could see that mid level to lower level Pac twelve team hiring somebody like Jim. Yeah, I could see that, and that's a Power Five job. So. That's a possibility, but in terms of what you consider anywhere near a Florida level, I mean, like in the SEC, no. I mean, he wouldn't get, you know, he wouldn't be considered for, you know, Kentucky if Kentucky got an opening, or um, Mississippi State, or no, I don't I don't think he, he would. Uh, I think they would look in a different direction. Speaking of some college football and coaches, we're going to get into ranking some coaches and how you rank them and things like that, Um, but I want to spend a little time, there's some guys that I've identified that I think are intriguing players, they're not what I would call good players yet, but guys who have a lot of talent that I think could be really good players, to keep an eye out for. If you're a fan of college football, remember these names, and let's see how they develop, if they develop. Um, and in no particular order. Um, but some guys that, that you know, I have um, I think could be a really good player. The, the defensive end from Minnesota, Boy Mafi, the a three-star recruit. He's not stayed healthy. He is a 6'4", 265-pound basketball player, jumping-type athlete. Very explosive. Hard to block with unusual abilities. Um, he's um, he's done a pretty good job rushing the passer when he's had the chance. He's played stand-up linebacker, um, but I think he can put his hands on the ground, and he's somebody that I think you need to pay some attention to. I think um, for all the talk, of, and, and I think the best receiving core in college football is Ohio State. You know the normal guys' names. The guy that I think you need to pay attention to a little bit more is Jackson Smith Najibi, who is, uh, was a, not a sleeper in that he, in recruiting. He was a five-star kid, but a lot of talks about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and that could be... If you're talking top half dozen to ten receivers in the country, both those guys, the Buckeyes, are in that group. This kid's a sophomore. This kid's really, really good. He has got tremendous ability, uh, and I think in the three-receiver set is going to be unbelievable. I think he's got tremendous short area quickness, ball skills. Uh, I think he can be a breakout guy, and I think he's going to be a household name that people are going to say, oh, yeah, remember him, five-star. Kind of like what they've been able to do at Alabama without the, the next guy up. I think Georgia has a couple of guys that are ready to be good players on the offensive side of the ball. Darnell Washington, the tight end, and remember, um, Eric Gilbert is going to be receiver. Darnell Washington's going to play tight end. He's he's a Big, long, 6'6 six, six, six a half six seven 260-pound, long wingspan guy. That is a uh, really good blocker, and he's got really good hands, and I, I think um, he's a Nevada kid. He, um, he's been compared physically to a look of, like, Zion Williamson. I mean, um, really, really good basketball player, obviously. Uh, with New Orleans and the NBA and with Duke. I also think on the other side of the ball, uh, Adam Anderson, who's a, another five-star guy that is really graded out well when he's played, um, but really, really gifted athlete. And I think, you know, 6'5 frame can really move. Uh, I think he's going to be, be a really good player to watch out. On a Georgia defensive front that's very good, may not know as much about him. Uh, out in Fort Worth, there is another receiver that I think is very, very good. Quentin Johnson was a four-star recruit out of a high school. He's a lanky guy. He's 6'4". He's 190-ish. But he plays pretty strong. He's a really good athlete. Very limber athlete. Um, he's got the long stride ability to go up and get the ball. Um, the whole issue with TCU... They're well-coached on defense. They'll, they do a good job developing players on that side of the ball. But the difference-making from TCU being like good to elite is or good to really good is the quarterback play. This is a guy that can really do a lot for them if the quarterback plays pretty good. Um, University of Washington linebacker uh, Edifuan Ulofasiu is a uh, was a two-star kid, not highly recruited at all. He's a former walk-on. Um, he has played very well in studying one tape. He's very consistent. Um, he's really good as a tackler. And I-, I think he's got a lot of the qualities you look for that's going to be a really, really good player. Uh, Tony Grimes, a corner from North Carolina. Um He's a five-star kid. He's ready to kind of step out, and I think become an elite player that can be a matchup cover guy. Um, he played a lot at the end of last year. Very, very accomplished uh, with his uh, foot quickness, his ability to come out of his pedal. Very, very good. Um, so, I think that's, that's another guy. Um, LSU's next elite receiver is Keyshawn Butte. I think he's, he's got a chance. He's just a sophomore. He's got a chance to be a Jamar Chase type of guy. Just accelerates. Great top-end speed. Um, like his toughness. Um, played well down the stretch. The old Miss game. Tough over the middle of the field breaks tackles, uh really good. Against press coverage was really, really good. Um who else was I thinking about? Um uh, oh the uh running back at Texas A M. Uh Devon Ashani is a sophomore. And they've got some good backs, obviously probably an all conference back in Isaiah Spiller, but he is he's a sprinter and I think you see the ability to make plays in the open field. I think is special. Um, lots of broken tackles, uh, lots of explosive runs. One of the best in the country. Um, you always need to look at Clemson for defensive linemen, particularly young guys off of a year where they weren't as good last year. Brian Bracy of Clemson is a sophomore. Five-star kid that's a defensive tackle. And boy, was he good rushing the passer from the interior as a true freshman. Um, run defenses need some work. Uh, but he's 6'5". He's 300 pounds. I think he's only going to get better. And they develop guys very well there. On the same line on the outside, on the edge, is um, is Miles Murphy, another sophomore for Clemson. Uh, he played right away 6'5", 275. Graded out well against the run. Um, look, they when he rushes, he's got some ability that flashes. They don't bring a lot of you know, five-man pressures at Clemson. It's usually three or four. He's a guy that can win single-handedly. Um, also on Clemson's defense, Andrew Booth, the corner. Um, he's really impressive. I even liked him in the spring. I thought he showed some improvement there. Um, you know, against Wake Forest last year, he was, uh, shaky and, um, any you know, but, but his ability to cover downfield really improved a great deal. Um, Zach Harrison of Ohio State's a guy you're going to hear a lot about. You're going to know a lot about. He's the next great, you know, defensive in, out of Ohio State, um, really, really good. Really talented. Good get-off. Good change of direction. Good spin move. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Alabama's tight end, Billingsley. uh, Jaheel Billingsley is an interesting player to me. Um, You watched him the second half of the year with all the practices under his belt. He got a lot better. Um, He's that um, dynamic speed athletic type of guy that's going to challenge <clears throat> down the seam, be really good. Um, but John Robinson at Texas has a chance to be a breakout player. He's a sophomore uh, mainly because of his talent combined with how I think Steve Sarkeesian's going to use him. Um, he's really good tackle breaker, good balance, um, I think he's he's got a chance to have a really breakout year. Maryland's receiver, highly recruited five star receiver, Raheem Jarrett. Remember, he went to LSU, but then um, then he then he kind of got flipped. Stephon Diggs, um, former Terp, Buffalo Bill, kind of convinced him to come over, uh, and he's done a really good job. I, I thought he played great out well against Penn State, and I think he's an elite receiver. For the questions about who's going to step up and injuries at Georgia at receiver, Arian Smith is a sophomore to know a lot about. He's a world-class track player, star, and I think he's a real deep threat with that quarterback situation. I think he has a chance to be really good. Um, the running back at Florida State, Tofili, is, um was limited as a true freshman. Uh, I think is really explosive, versatile, and can do the things out of the backfield that Mike Norvell and his offense like to run. Um, I think Derek Hall, Auburn's edge uh, player, is really good, and I think he's ready to break out, and I think you will will see him have a really good year. Um, I'm curious to see what happens at Florida with Emory Jones. I really love... The big physical, what they've done with the big physical guard, Ethan White, uh, at Florida. Uh, I, I liked his reps, how he got a little bit better. Uh, he's big time factor in the run game. Um, out west again, uh, Oregon's uh, Noah Sewell, the linebacker, is uh, Panay Sewell's um, little brother. Uh, and he takes on blocks. He's physical, he's got a lot of that mentality, just not as big as Panay was. Um, Does Clemson have another elite receiver in uh, Joe Nada? Um, Really impressive kid. 6'3", 220, that big receiver mold. Those are some guys. Jaquiri Robertson. Uh, If you're talking the best receivers in the ACC, you you, you better put him down as somebody to watch. Um, He's really, really good. He just caught six passes in 2019. But he exploded last year. Um, you know, it, it's it, it, I think it's really, really impressive. Um, the guy's got um, an ability to make plays after the catch. Uh, the guy's got ability to get open off the line of scrimmage. He's got good quickness for six one, hundred eighty pounds. I think that's. Uh, Real interesting. Um, keep an eye on him. Those are just some guys. Uh, another question that was sent in um, What about, um, you say here, what about the rumors about Boise State going to the America Athletic Conference? Um, there have been rumors for a while. The, the concern by the Boise administration, particularly on the coaching staff, Brian Harson, who's now at Auburn, of course. Was the travel? I mean, you're talking about, it. and I know people say, well, the, the geographics of West Virginia, the Big 12, and all that. Remember, there's a different purse string level at the AAC versus the ACC, um, or even Big 12. It, it's very costly, and do you compete in all sports? That's really tough. That's really expensive. I don't know that it makes a lot of sense. If you're just looking at adding a good football program to the to the AAC, of course it does. You, you watch it, you say, man, I'd like to see them and Cincinnati go after that. That's really good. And Does it make sense for them financially to do that? Um, I don't sense that anything is imminent, but we need to watch it. For Boise, Boise's in a tough spot. They don't produce great revenue, but they've got an outstanding program. They get it. No one's maximized what they have been throughout their career from a junior college to a Division II, to a Division I AA, to Division I. I mean, they have excelled at every level. Not just a little bit, but at a high level. I just don't know where they go. They're not ever going to be a factor in the Pac-12. The Mountain West you know, was absorbed with the Utah and the TCU types going to the Big 12. Boise would make more sense in the Big 12 geographically. You wouldn't have to go as far. Um, I just don't sense that's where that there's that much interest. In. And if you're in the, you might say the AAC is the best of the G5 leagues. It's still a G5 league. Are you going to leave a G five league to go to a better G five league, and how much how much more money are you going to make to offset the cost of being able to have to travel? Uh, do you do it in just football? Can I mean I, I think there are a lot of things that you could explore in this new age agent world, but I don't I don't sense that anything is imminent. Um, some other news that we want to get to. Oh, um, some recruiting news we want to get to. Um. The, the quarterback, uh, Justin Martin, class of 2022, that is, four-star quarterback. Um, he is a Cal committees He's big kitty. He's 6'5", 215. Uh, he has been, um, he, uh, Cal commit, Ole Miss and Michigan are still hotly pursuing. Them. Now, Matt Corral was a counselor at a camp out west recently. Where this kid is, and I think he's been talking a lot, uh, talking up Ole Miss a lot. We'll see how that plays out. Whether that commitment holds on, Um, we've mentioned obviously the success uh, of certain programs uh, and getting commitments this time of year. The overall commitments are down in terms of like the high-level commitments, comparatively speaking. Um, than this time last year. Why? Well, kids are going to have chance to visit, and they're going to want to use that. So we may see commitments pick up, but right now, of course, they're down. You're coming off of not being able to take any visits. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this um, in each in, in every position, but kind of taking a look at the receiving classes um, in the NFL um, coming back. And I'm, I'm looking at it, grading out. Um, the Bucks' receiving core. and it, you know, it's, it's the grades are, um, you look in, factor in a lot of things, but I look at what the Bucks are bringing back. And obviously Evans and Godwin and Brown, you got to throw in um, Scotty Miller, Zuthi Speed, Tyler Johnson, and, um, The tight end position, Brayton Gromp, I think, factors in. The Cowboys have a really good receiving core. Um, And I think you know that with Cooper and Gallup and C.D. Lamb. And I think Blake Jarwin can take a next step. Of course, Kansas City is as good as anybody's. You've got Kelsey. You've got Hill. Um, I, I think the biggest issue, and you could make the case for the aforementioned two teams... Right along, maybe a little bit better than Kansas City is their depth. Um, Cole Hardeman's really good. Demarcus Robinson, Brian Pringle, uh, Cornell Powell. Um, you know, in terms of depth, do they have as many? I think you can debate that. In terms of fastest player in the league, it's probably Tyreek Hill. Um, in terms of pass catching, tight end, you can't get, you know, any better than, than – Travis Kelsey, but depth-wise. How about the the Bills? That's another team that's really good. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Gabriel Davis, uh, Dawson Knox at tight end. Interesting group there. Um, Minnesota with Justin Jefferson. um, Adam Thielen. Um... Beebe, uh, Smith, Marsetti, Irv Smith Jr. I think those are guys that are that are really good. Denver's really improved their receiving core. Um, Cortland Sutton. Now has got you know Jerry Judy. You got KJ Hamler. You got Seth Williams. Um, uh, Ogamon of, of um, and, and Noah Fan at tight end. Got some good groups. The Niners that can stay healthy. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Travis Benjamin, uh, George Kittle, a healthy George Kittle. Uh, The Rams have a pretty good group, I think, with Woods and Cup and Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson and Higbee and Everett. Uh, The Dolphins have improved with Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell and Devontae Parker. uh, Jakeem Grant, Lynn Bowden Jr., Jaseki, really good group. Uh, I think the, the Seahawks. Um, I think the Giants have really improved at a lot of pieces. Kenny Galladay, um, Slayton, and Tony and Shepard and Ross and Ingram got a lot of guys there. We'll see what we'll see what the Bengals can do. The Browns have a, have a pretty good group, so that's kind of a look at some of the, the top uh, receiving cores. Um, had a question about that? The top receiving core in uh, in college football. I think Ohio State, um, Alabama, I think Oklahoma, I think USC would probably be my top four. Uh, Sneaky would be Iowa State when you throw in the tight ends. Um, Nevada's another one that probably off the radar that's pretty good that that you might not think... um, and I think Ole Miss, I think Florida, I think Georgia has some potential with young guys. We'll see how they develop. On the way out of here, uh, let's see here what the rich coach says. What was your scouting evaluation of Tim Ruddy out of Notre Dame? Tim was a physical run blocker, uh, not really good feet in pass protection. Chad Brown, Chad Brown was a was a big time pass rusher, and we tried to sign him in free agency. He was big big time guy. He had a uh, Nothing to do with football, but he had a uh, pet snake. What, what do you call those um, those big old snakes that, that that you can have as a pet? He had one of the hosts told him if he if he brought that thing, we were yeah. in Houston at the time that, that the, the deal was off. But he ended up uh, signing a big deal. He had he had a really good career. Boy, he could he could really rush the passer. Carl Pickens out of Tennessee. Carl was. When Tennessee was producing receiver after receiver for years and years, he was, you know, obviously after the Galt and Anthony Miller, but he, Carl was was the big, long receiver that could go up and get the ball, that had speed, that vertical speed, what I call build-up speed, before it was as prevalent as it is today. Before receivers start looking like basketball players, Carl Pickens was, was really, really good. Did a good job in Cincinnati, and uh, I was with the Browns at the time when when uh, Cincinnati drafted him. So, some good questions, always some good thoughts from Rich. There, can't thank Rich. And uh, do you? Let's see, Nola Jack. Do you think Jameis Winston has had bad coaching in Tampa? Is it a narrative the local media is trying to sell? Um, no, I don't think he's had bad coaching at all in Tampa. I think Jameis Winston is not a very good student. That's the biggest problem. Look, I think Sean Payton will get as much out of Jameis Winston as can be had. Just, you're going to have to play around him. He's a slow processor, a slow decision maker, and he's not very accurate on a lot of routes. So, what you have to do is basically take a lot of routes. A lot of the slant routes, the timing routes, have to be mitigated um, in this offense because the ball won't come out on time and it won't come out as accurate. Um, he's got... But he can go vertical more, and he can do things. So the whole key for the Saints offense with Sean is to the run game. You've got to be able to run the football so they can run play action. They can go deep. Now, play action is a little bit dangerous because you turn your back to the defense. But if you can get... You can manipulate the safeties in the box with the run game. You can, by design, give him some simple reads and let him go deep, and that can open up your offense that way. So they're going to have to do it differently. It's You talk about a complete different way you operate the offense, and Sean's kind of energized and motivated by that. But the whole uh, Jameis Winston poorly coached, Jameis Winston – is tough to coach because there are things that he struggles with that um, at this stage he should be better with. I do think you'll see a better version of Jameis Winston because of what I think that they're going to do with him. And you might say, well, isn't that what you're talking about, bad coaching in Tampa? No, I think you look at a guy that's always done good with quarterbacks, and a guy that worked the vertical game as well as anybody is Bruce Arians. Look at his history with quarterbacks. It's been stellar, even with backup caliber quarterbacks in his time in Arizona. It, it, you know, in Pittsburgh. I mean, you go the Colts before Peyton. And all, he's done a good job with a lot of those guys. Couldn't do it with Jameis. Jameis um, is it, – it, I think Jameis, I think Sean will get as much as you can get out of him. But, you know, he'll never be the guy that you would think that you should get out of a number one overall pick. So, um, that's my thought there. Appreciate you, Nola, Rich Coach, Tony, Jeff, joining us, everybody. Encourage you to spread the word about what we're doing here, what we're doing over at LandryFootball.com, breaking down the game of football, the college game, the pro game. We got it covered for you. Players, teams, coaches, schemes, take advantage of the scouting season offer spread. word if you would with us we are trying to work on different things uh, with regard to again uh, the direction of our podcast the, uh, the, the the business uh ventures that we're trying to go in with uh and different ideas so certainly we appreciate your feedback your support um and certainly join us here we'll be back uh for SEC football and beyond on friday so uh check us out there um we appreciate you joining us